Welcome to another episode of Raising the Standard. This is the show for kingdom-driven men. If you are pursuing purpose, if you are chasing impact and influence because you know you're called for something greater, then you're in the right place. As ambitious Christian men, we know that we are called to a higher purpose. We have vision, we wanna run, we wanna execute targets in front of us, and we know that God has given us power and authority, and this all comes from our identity, who he says we are, and that's why we have power to accomplish, to impact, and take territory in the world around us. However, despite this calling, we still see many men with the same calling on their life give in and fall to the wayside. They miss the target. They don't accomplish everything they're called to do, and they end up getting sidelined in their mission and in their vision. Our greatest fear is that we won't maximize our full potential and be the man that we are created to be and accomplish what God has created us to accomplish. Today, I want to talk about the number one downfall for men. What is that thing that if you let it in your life, that if it gets a foothold, it can grow, it can expand, and it can totally derail your mission? Now, I want you to stick around to the end because I'm going to share a quote that I came across recently and I have not been able to shake it. It's so good and I'm going to share it as we progress through this episode. If we're running, if we're building, if we're scaling, or we have the desire within ourselves to do those things, there are three specific scenarios that we have to watch out for. Stick around for the full episode. I'm going to share everything with you. Let's get into it. You are listening to Raising the Standard, leadership, mindset, and development for the kingdom man. If you've ever wondered, how can I be the man God created me to be? Or maybe you asked yourself, what purpose does God have for my life? If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. My goal is simple, to help you access the unfair advantage all Christian men have and give you actionable strategies to reach your full potential. My name is Josh Kachadorian. I am a best-selling author, husband, father, disciple, and son of Jesus Christ. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, upgrade into your identity as a kingdom man, and take the territory that God has for you, then it's time to raise the standard. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Raising the Standard. I'm your host, Josh Kachadorian. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for listening in. I'm always blown away by you guys that are listening in on a regular basis. You're tuning in. And if you're new to the show and you just found us and you like what you hear because this is a message that you resonate with because I'm speaking to your potential, because I'm speaking to you as a man of God and because I'm speaking to you from your future, not from where you are exactly today, but speaking to you from that place that you're called to inhabit, that place you're called to walk in. And if this resonates with you, I'm gonna ask you to share this episode with a friend. And as always, if you can leave us a review, tap five stars and write a review. And I'm gonna ask you, write a question or write a topic that you would like to see us discuss on future episodes. So I wanna pick up today with where we left off on the last episode. I broke down the anatomy of a temptation. Temptations are everywhere. They're around every corner. They're on our devices. They're in our pockets. There's so many things that are calling to us from the world that have the potential to trip us up. 
And they have the potential that if we linger just a little too long or we stay longer than we're meant to stay or we look at something longer than we're meant to see it, that it can really derail us. So I want to continue building on this because I have something really important to share with you. And I recently came across a quote that I'm going to share by the end of the episode. And guys, it really arrested me because it really showcases what our enemy is about. And I want to share that with you, and I want you to hear that, and that's coming up shortly. But before I share that quote with you, I have to lay a foundation. There's a couple things I want to build on as we go from what is a temptation to what are the things in front of us that can totally derail our mission. Because look, I know that you guys have a call in your life. I have a call in my life as well. And first of all, I want you to accept it. If you're thinking, no, I really don't or I don't know what it is, or I'm not sure what it is, I want you to scratch that for a minute. You are called and you are created. When God created you, he calls you. He places a call on your life because you are that important and you're created to influence all of us. And it doesn't matter where you're planted. Yeah, maybe you won't be the president of the United States. Maybe you won't be the CEO of a company, but you are still created to influence. And the way this works in the kingdom realm of God is that as you store little things, as you're faithful, as he imparts vision, and as you partner with that vision, your ability to influence and expand grows and it goes from level to level. So I don't care where you find yourself today. If you're disappointed, if you're not exactly where you want to be, if you're in the gap from where you feel you're called to be and where you're standing right now, this message is for you. So in the last episode, we talked about the armor of God. We talked about that we have to armor up, we have to suit up, we have to beware and walk circumspectly because there is a target on our back. Because guys, you're dangerous. You're created for influence. You're created for purpose. You're created to exert the kingdom and grow the kingdom of God in your life first and also around you. And as you step forward into that purpose, as you start to move forward in the plan of God in your life, I will guarantee to you that you will have a target on your back that will get bigger and bigger. That is why we're instructed to wear armor because you're dangerous to the enemy's kingdom. And because you're dangerous, we have to be careful because there are traps, there are snares, and there are temptations that can take us down. So what's the number one downfall of men? What's the thing that can trip up a man and have him go from running in his lane at 100 miles an hour after that target that God put in his heart to all of a sudden finding himself sitting on the bench and watching the race run by while he's benched because he messed up, because he fell, and now there's correction, or now there's adjustment in his life, and he's not quite back to the level that he once was. Well, the number one downfall is sin. And what is sin? Today we're going to define it, but I'm going to show you some nuances and I want to share a couple things with you specifically of how the enemy operates and what you can do to build a wall against it. So let's start with sin. You might have heard this said before that sin is missing the mark. God has a mark. It's righteous. It's holy. And when we miss the mark, that's known as sin. So that's a concept that we see in the Bible of missing the mark is the definition that we see for sin most often, but I want to go just a little bit deeper with the definition of sin and what the Bible describes as sin. So I'm going to give you just very few scriptures today, but the first one is 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. I'm reading this in the Amplified, and it says this, 
everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. And I love what it says here in the brackets, ignoring God's law by action or by neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing, being unrestrained by his commands and his will. So that's definitely missing the mark. That's living lawlessly. And it also says practicing. This is an ongoing habit that you have. And it's either by your action or neglecting an action or even by tolerating something in your life or in your domain that you should be speaking out against, but you let it go. And as you let it go, you let it grow. So we have to be careful because we have a great warning here in John about how to guard against sin. I'm going to give you one more definition from James. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and in James chapter 4, he says, So any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it, to him it is sin. So we also see that sin can also be custom-made or tailored based on our conviction, based on what the Lord tells us. So this means what's sin for you may not be sin for me, and vice versa. Maybe you're at a certain point in your walk with the Lord where the Lord says to you, you can't go there. And it might not even be an overtly sinful place, or you can't eat that, or you shouldn't drink that, or whatever that might be, or you shouldn't watch that. Maybe it's a movie. Whatever it is, I'm not going to get legalistic and tell you what you can and you can't do. The most important thing is that you listen and you hear the still small voice, the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling you what you can do and what you can't do. It's not a rule book, fellas. It is a relationship with God, and we want to tune our ear to hear where and how he is instructing us to live. So you probably heard about the seven deadly sins. These come from the Bible, but the concept of the seven deadly sins actually come from a monk a few centuries ago, but they still hold a lot of weight. And I want to walk through them because there's so many things here that we can fall into as men. So let me hit these seven real quick. Number one, we see pride. Now, what is pride? I'm going to give you a really simple definition. It's the excessive belief in one's own abilities. It's when you overestimate yourself, when you're the best one in the room, when you're the best at everything you do, you get this sense of pride, you get puffed up and you start to overestimate who you are and you have excess in thinking about yourself. Now that's a big one. We're going to come back to that. But the next one is envy. What's envy? Guys, we've all been tempted to envy someone or something. And that's the thing with envy. It's a desire that we have for other people's stuff. It could be other people's traits. It could be other people's status or titles. And it can be for other people's possessions. Gluttony. When you think about gluttony, I mean, I don't know about you, but I always think about someone overindulging in eating so much food. That's what I think about when I think of gluttony. It's always been used in this realm or this context only about eating and our physical appetite. Well, I found a better definition here. I believe that gluttony is consuming more then you actually need more than what's required to live. So maybe that spills over into material possessions as well. I'll let you be the judge of that in your life. But are there areas in your life where you're being gluttonous and it's just extreme excess, more than you require? That's something you might want to check. Okay, next we have lust. Whenever you see lust, it always refers to the pleasures of the body. In the last episode, we talked about the anatomy of a temptation. We talked about that realm of the body, the five senses. That's where we get the word sensual from. And lust always has to do with sensual pleasures. 
Next, we see anger or rage. And guys, I think we've all probably tasted a little bit of anger in our life. It could be the person that cuts you off. It may be someone in your family. It may be something or someone that triggers you where you want justification and you lose that emotional state, that state of control, and you let your anger get the best of you. That's another one of the seven deadly sins. And then we're almost done. Next up is greed. This stems from never having enough, usually in the realm of material wealth and gain. And the last one is laziness. And laziness is the avoidance of work or physical, and I believe it can also be spiritual responsibilities. Anything God's telling you to do, and this could be in the spiritual realm, it could be something he's calling you to do or be, and if you don't do it, that can also be attributed to laziness or mediocrity, which we all hate. If you're listening to this show, I hope you hate that word mediocrity because that is what we are against here on Raising the Standard. And that is what Raising the Standard is about. It's about raising a standard in the face of mediocrity, of laziness, and all these other categories of sin. So guys, right now, I want to talk about three categories of sin that every sin falls into. Every sin can be traced back to these three categories. So in last week's episode, we talked about the anatomy of a temptation. We talked about how temptations come at, come at us, flesh, body, and spirit, always working against our internal alignment because God created us first to be in alignment, spirit, soul, and body. And the way the enemy tempts us is always the reverse order. And I want to add another layer to that because in 1 John chapter 2, 16, John gives us another way to view all sin. And he says something really powerful here. And I'm going to read the verse to you in the Amplified, for all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, which also means pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things. None of these things come from the father, but are from the world. So guys, we have three things there, three distinct categories of sin. We see the lust of the flesh, we see the longing, the lust of the eyes, and we also see the boastful pride of life. So let's layer this onto what Jesus encounters in the wilderness and also Adam and Eve. And you're going to find that in addition to what we covered in the anatomy of a temptation, these also fit very perfectly. It's a perfect overlay of the way the enemy tries to trip us up. So with Jesus, we see here Satan approaches him and goes after the lust of the flesh. What's desirable for food? Turn these stones into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. That's the physical appetite in action right after Jesus is fasting for 40 days. Next, we see the lust of the eyes. He takes Jesus to a high place. He shows him all the kingdoms. He had to see it. Jesus had to physically see what the enemy was showing him. So there's something connected to our sight that is part of sin if we give into it. And lastly, we see the pride of life, which in the example of Jesus was tempting him to show who he was. Throw yourself down if you're really the son of God and show me you're proud of who you are. Step into that title and that status of who you are because I'm asking you to. And that would get Jesus in the pride of life. And of course, Jesus denies that request. 
So we also see these same three categories in the Garden of Eden. The lust of the flesh, the fruit was good for food. We see the lust of the eyes. The tree was pleasant to the eyes. Even Adam saw the tree and it looked good to them. And then lastly, the pride of life, desiring to make oneself wise. So we have these three categories. So what's the origin? What's the origin of all this sin? We're talking about sin. We're talking about temptation, things that can trip us up. Well, let's rewind a little bit because this is really important. And here's where I really want to give you that quote. It's where I want to deliver something to you that you may not be aware of because I think we all have this concept of sin. And when we think of it, you may be thinking one thing, but I'm going to show you in just a few moments why sin is deceptive in nature and it actually shows up a different way than you may be expecting it right now. So first I'm going to cover the origin of sin and the origin of sin has to do with Lucifer. He was the cherub that fell. His name was Lucifer and as he falls he gets a new title. God now calls Lucifer Satan. That is a title that he gives him and Satan shows up, our enemy, shows up with the same enticement that he was enticed with. Adam and Eve were tempted in this way. Jesus was tempted in this way. And this is all traced back to the original sin. If you want to read the account, you can check out Ezekiel chapter 28. But we see that Lucifer was very beautiful. He had a lot of pride in the way he looked. And this led to violence and this led to falling. And it led to these same three categories that John warns us of. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So I want to say something about pride here because we think of Satan, we think of our enemy and the number one sin that always comes to mind, it's always taught and it's true, is that it was pride. Pride was his downfall. We actually see in Proverbs chapter six, there's seven things the Lord hates and he hates pride. God hates pride. Now let's define it because it's a little bit different in our modern language. So I want to make sure you hear this correctly because the actual definition for pride in the Bible is an arrogant attitude of self-importance. It's excess. It's thinking more of yourself. It's overestimating. It's very arrogant. It's very boastful. That's where pride comes from whenever we see it connected to sin. Now, let me just balance this for a moment because we're speaking a different dialect in a different language. So we may use the word pride and proud a little bit differently. And I want to correct this in some of your thinking. So the kind of pride the Bible is describing here, the kind of pride, the arrogant boastfulness that Satan exhibited, the arrogant boastfulness that God is opposed to is a different kind of pride than being proud of an accomplishment or being proud of your son. And let me give you the best example I can. When Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan, we hear the voice from heaven and it says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In our modern language, we would translate that feeling of intense joy as I'm proud. I'm proud of my sons when I see them. They just, they just competed in jujitsu and they got some stripes added to their belt. I just saw my daughter make a great play in sports. I'm very proud of her. I'm proud of them when they bring home good grades. That's not the type of pride I'm talking about. So when you hear the word pride, don't get triggered because it's okay to have an intense feeling of joy. It's okay to feel fulfillment over an accomplishment. It's when it becomes arrogant and excessive and boasting, that's when it changes. And that's the kind of pride that God's opposed to. 
Okay, guys, so I want to wrap this up here and I want to give you a couple things. Now, this is important for us to notice because Satan exhibits his pride in five statements. This is found in Isaiah chapter 14. These are known as the five I wills. He says I will five times and it's connected with something every time he says it. And I want to review this with you because this is important. And this is going to show us how to guard against pride and also how we might be able to identify in our life. So the first thing Satan says as he is still Lucifer, he says, I will ascend. That's speaking of a high position. He wants to get high. He wants to be like God. The next thing he says is I will exalt my throne. And the throne is always connected with authority to rule. He wants to rule. He wants to have God's authority. He then says, I will sit upon the mount. And this means he wants to be the center of attention. He wants to be idolized. He wants everyone around him in submission to him. This is important because we need to know the strategy and the intellect of our enemy. He also says, I will ascend above the clouds. Whenever we see clouds in scriptures, that's correlated with God's glory. He was coveting God's glory. He was looking to be like God in the glory that God carries. And lastly, he says, I will become like the most high. He wanted to be ruler of all. He wanted to be equal. He wanted to be independent of God. Guys, that last statement is so important because now I'm ready to share this quote that I came across. Because so many times when we think of sin, we're thinking of outright evil. We're thinking of gross darkness. And I want to read this to you and I want you to pay attention to this. I'll post the quote in the show notes. I'll drop it in the comments on YouTube so you can see it there as well. And here it is. Satan disguises submission to himself under the ruse of personal autonomy. He never asks us to become his servants. Never once did the serpent say to Eve, I want to be your master. The shift from commitment is never from Christ to evil. It's always from Christ to self. And instead of his will, self-interest now rules and what I want reigns. And that is the essence of sin. Whenever we turn from Christ and choose self, we set upon a slippery slope that always leads to destruction. Guys, how powerful is that? So many of us are thinking sin is evil. It's so dark. But there's such a deceptive nature to the way Satan works, to the strategies of our enemy, that it always shifts to personal autonomy. It always shifts to personal dependence. It always shifts to what I want. It always shifts to what I will. What will I do? What can I have? And that is the independence that is the root of sin. What can I have apart from God? So that quote was from Dennis Kinlaw, who was from Asbury Seminary. What a powerful quote. Now, we just reviewed the five I wills of Satan. But you know what? Before they were I wills, they were I wants. They were something that he desired, something he was thinking about, something he must have spent a lot of time consumed with as he was watching God's glory, as he was looking and thinking about his next move and what he would do. They started as desires and those thoughts turned into rebellious statements that's moved from I want to I will. So I think this is a great place for us to look at our internal thought life. What are we secretly desiring? What are the things that we want 
And yeah, I know we're not going after the same things our enemy was going after, but what's that deceptive nature of sin that there maybe there's something we want that it's really what we want. It's what I want. It's what I will do apart from God. Is there something in your life that you want so bad right now that you don't even want to stop to ask God, acknowledge God, or take any correction or coachability in your life? You just have your mind made up. That's what you want. You've always wanted it. You're going to do it. Nothing's going to stop you. Maybe it's not even outright sin. Guys, that's how sin works. And it becomes sin through our attitude, through how hard we push for something when God's closing the door or saying, no, that's not for you, or no, that's not for you right now. So how do men fall? I'm going to leave you with this, guys. I told you I'd give you three specific scenarios of how great men fall, of how we can be so focused pursuing our purpose, pursuing our mission, focused with an emphasis on maximizing our potential, our gifts, our talents, and developing those God-given talents, those God-given gifts that we want to steward so well. How do we go from that to seeing men fall, to seeing people fall from great heights, whether it's a CEO, an athlete, or even a minister who messed up and now they're relegated to the sidelines of life? Well, I'm going to give you three ways that I want you to be on guard of. And when I say this for you guys, I'm saying it for me. The first premise I want to make sure you understand, I've said this before in the past, but I want you to notice this, is that when we talk about willpower, willpower is a limited resource. It's finite. You only get so much of it each day. When you're run down, when you're tired, when you're stressed, your willpower starts to deplete. So the first scenario I want to give you is when you're stressed and when you're tired. This is usually at the end of the day, or there's a stressful moment, willpower gets used up, you don't have enough left, and you start to drift. You start to make bad decisions. You start to do things that are out of character with your daily routine. And you notice this is when you start to go off your routines and your rituals. How do you handle stress? How do you handle it when you're down? How do you handle it when life throws you a curveball and your emotions get tweaked or something gets triggered? That is something we have to be careful for. When we're tired, when we're run down, and when we're stressed, if we don't have the proper boundaries, guidelines, and accountability, we can end up falling or making a bad judgment. The next thing I've noticed, and guys, I've noticed this in my life too, and I think this is just a trait of men. I write about it in the standard. I talk about how we're so programmed from a young age to operate in boxes. We have the work box. We have the school box. We have a box for when we're home. We have a box for when we're in friends. And we show up differently in all of those scenarios because we're very good at compartmentalizing. And this is a scenario we have to be careful with because when you compartmentalize, it's easy to say, this is what I do when I'm home, but when I'm out or when I'm alone, this is what I do. And it starts to become distant. It starts to become isolated one thing from the other. And when we're in that box where we're isolated and we're compartmentalizing, we can end up falling or justifying that it's okay what I do over here because it doesn't affect these other boxes in my life, be it school, be it work, be it family. And the last thing I wanna say, because a lot of us here are entrepreneurs or we're businessmen, you're working in corporate or you're building your own business and you're successful. Guys, you have accomplished a lot. You have achieved a level of success in your life and with that can come some entitlement. I've worked for it, I've earned it. And what I've seen with businessmen, with entrepreneurs, it's not so much that we always are, are looking to take on risk, it's that we're looking for opportunities. 
And that can also spill over with opportunities to sin or opportunities to fall, opportunities to take a shortcut, opportunities that may lead to doing something that we don't want to do. So entitlement, a mentality that says I deserve it, a mentality that says I don't need someone to check in on me, that I'm good, I'm running the company, I don't have accountability, I surround myself with people that say yes, no one's really going to question what I do. All of these things set us up for a fall. So guys, whether you're stressed, tired, whether you are successful and you're seeing some things, some attitudes of entitlement or something that could lead even to a break in your walls, or you notice you're like, hey, that is me. I do compartmentalize and I got to be careful about what's the ramifications of that. We need to guard against these. So you need to build a battle plan. You need to have boundaries in your life to be aware of these desires, these I wants, these things that sneak in really subtly because that's the nature of deception. It never shows up as super dark, evil stuff. It shows up as something that's rooted in independence, something that we want, something that we desire, and we have to guard against these. And the reason we're guarding against these is not just because we're afraid of falling. It's because we want to succeed. It's because we want to achieve and maximize our potential and be everything God says we are called to be and also called to do. Until the next episode, let's get after it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If what you heard here today resonated with you and you want to fully step in to be the man that God created and called you to be, then I want to give you a free guide. It's called The Map and you can get it at standard59.com. In the map, I will give you 12 biblical strategies that every kingdom man pursuing biblical masculinity must honor. If you're ready to step off the sidelines and pursue the upward call, then get the map today at standard59.com. That's standard59.com. Hey, if there's a brother in your life that needs to hear this message, then share this show with them and please leave us a rating and review. It helps get the message out there to more men. Until the next show, guys, let's raise the standard.